Yeah, a lot of boos tonight there in Evanston, but they were booing their own player, Boo Bowie, who had 16 points and became Northwestern's all-time leading scorer. Welcome in to the Michigan postgame live show. The Wolverines lose this one to the Wildcats by 14 points, 76 to 62. It's a final. We'll walk you and then run you through this one tonight for Michigan. If you are watching this after the fact, you if you're watching it live, you know that Michigan came into this game shorthanded. How shorthanded, depending on when you started paying attention, you knew Doug McDaniel was serving his last of his six-game road suspension. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was a five-game suspension and he was going to be back tonight. But no, one more game for uh, McDaniel. It's going to be reevaluated and all of that, so it's not a sure thing. And then the big news uh, coming down uh, this week, yesterday, about Olivier Kamwa being out for the season with the wrist, Michigan's second-leading scorer, and that's a, a big hit for the remaining of this, remainder of the season, no doubt. And then Will Cheddar, Sixth man, bench man, whatever you want to say about Will. He was scratched tonight because of an illness, and there was a time that Terrace Reed was questionable in this one. So you're thinking, wow, game number 27 on the year for U of M. Are they going to even be able to put a team out there on the court? The answer, of course, was uh, yes. And it was a really nice first half. I know you've heard this uh, this year about Michigan because it's they have been a first-half team. And then, oh, yeah, they have to play the second 20 minutes. But they played well in this one, uh, being as down as they were with the guys out, Namari Burnett, Terrace Reed Jr., TW2, all play well in the first half. And even Yo-Yo and, and Jace Howard were dialing up threes. Michigan led by as many as nine in the first half. But Northwestern, they take a, a lead by three at the half. That was their first lead since it was 2-1. Northwestern at the beginning of the game. So 37 34 at the half. And then in the second half, Damari Burnett was keeping U of M close for a while. But Boo Booey and the Cats, they get up double figures about midway through the second half. And Michigan playing shorthanded. Would they make a final push? Uh, the answer was no, they would not make a final push. And they don't get it back. Did they get it back to single digits? I don't think so after that. Midway through 76 62, a 14 point victory for Northwestern. And when you look at, at U of M and you look at the, the box score, and uh, Terrace Reed with 13, TW2 with 13, Amari Burnett had 15, and uh, Trey Jackson getting the start. And he had 10. And then Jalen Llewellyn with a tough night. It's a tough night when he, you know, he he tries to drive the basket and missed a, a couple that were were pretty close. What can you say? Just ends up with three points. Obviously, that's not going to get it done. Yo Yo cranked up a three, knocked it down, had three points. Jace also tried uh, one three and he hit it. Uh, ended up with five points, and then George Washington the third uh, goose eggs all around. For the true freshman, 0 of 2 from the field, 0 of 1 from downtown. He did have two feeds, and 
So two assists there. So not a total loss night there for GW3. A lot of people just want to see to get him some experience in these remaining games. And I can see that. And you're in a tough spot when you're a coach. In the NBA, fans understand. They, in most times, can get a little tedious of losing year after year saying, oh, let's uh, tank. Go for the number one pick. There's no tanking, as you know, in college basketball. It works the opposite way in basketball. Every loss, uh, another one in the column, drags you down and, and and, and it makes it more difficult to recruit. It makes it more difficult to sign players that uh, would be in the transfer portal. All of that. So it, it, it does no good uh, losing the games uh, late in the year when you know, you're a team like Michigan. That's just uh, where it is at for the maze and blue Jesse, you can always get in the feedback live if you're watching the show. He's saying thanks for coming or this. Still, uh, the season was over before it started. Jesse, you're you're close to being right. I didn't see anyone. Maybe there were a few. There's always a few like big time Michigan fans to be like, I think this team, you know, stranger things could happen. They can get into the tournament. I didn't think many people were saying that. But then they had their first three games of the year, and I'd have to go look. I, I think I gave them an A plus in their first game an a in their second game. And then an a plus in their third game, a plus to me, this team, they, they couldn't have played any better after three games. Now, after that, I would agree with you. Then it was, then it was over. Long beach state happened. I, I recall um, not being able to watch that game. Uh, it wasn't anywhere. You could, you couldn't even pay for it. You had to go and, and, and they lost. And then it, it was, uh, it's always interesting. You say it's all downhill since it knows all uphill, whatever, whichever way you want to go. It was uh, an uphill battle for them after that. And, you know, this is where they sit today where you just look and they've got uh, a handful of games left uh, in this season. They, Michigan falls to officially now with a 14 point loss tonight, three and 13 to the big 10 and eight and 19 overall. Yeah, that's dead last uh, in the Big Ten. And there's there's not a whole heck of a lot to look forward to with the rest of this season. Let's check out the upcoming schedule. However, and that is brought to you by the Maize and Blue Review. And good afternoon, Michigan football and basketball, which you can hear three times a week on this feed. The next show coming your way at 2 o'clock tomorrow. So the schedule... Michigan just has two games left the rest of this month. Their next game is coming up Sunday when they host Purdue. Now, look, Ohio State beat Purdue over the weekend. They say, hey, maybe maybe Michigan will have something for them. Yeah, Purdue came back and they beat tonight Rutgers, who Michigan travels to at the end of the month. Now, that game was in West Lafayette. And the Boilermakers won that game by 30. Uh, the Boilermakers will be favored by you know, a good 14 and a half, I think, coming into Ann Arbor. Michigan, we'll see. But, you know, Will Cheddar had the illness. It's going to have to wait and, and see what the 
infirmary report looks like, but you know, Doug McDaniel will be back in that game. So maybe Michigan can keep it as you sit here, can, you know, keep it for to single digits. Now, somebody asked me recently, so, you know, they, they, Oh, why are you watching the games? Whatever else. And uh, it's completely understandable. If, even if you're a gigantic Michigan fan, if you're not watching the team, there are still some people, this is more of a, an, an old school approach. There's some Michigan fans, they, they, they love Michigan, like a lot of fans, but they consider it a, a badge of honor. Like this is their team. They're going to watch their team through thick and thin. They're going to watch them even when they realize that there's not much of a chance at all that they're going to do anything against Northwestern playing shorthanded and just look for any glimmer of hope. And you, know, you get a little bit of that. You get a little bit of that tonight in the first half. Like, hey, wow, look at them play in the first half. Can they sustain it? You know, you're, you're thinking in the back of your mind. I've, I've said this to myself a dozen times this year, and then you know it goes by the wayside and they lose. But I think for the rest of the year, somebody like Terrace Reed Jr., just you know, seeing what kind of progress that he can make if Will Cheddar comes back and he put some consistency in his game. There's, he's a fun guy to root for. So is Reed Jr. Can they put together in the remaining games, something that you could say, you say to, I mean, they're all, all of these things that you say like, Oh man, that's not a whole lot to hang your head on. True. And I'm not a, a a big believer in in springboards as a team that the team's not going to get into the tournament, but like they play well their very last game and play spoiler. It, it's better than not doing it. It's better than just losing out and showing no heartbeat, having nobody go. Like if you say like let's just say for instance like Terrace Reed goes on a tear, starts going for twenty points and fifteen rebounds. Something crazy like that in the remainder, remaining four or five games. But there are people that say, well, the season was over. There was nobody else. Sure, but you'd rather see that than have him. Oh, he traveled three, four times a game. Just the field goal percentage was uh, way low. The, the free throws, just they went on another in a, in a bad rut. Uh, see something from somebody. That's it. That's where it's at. And you, know, you, you call it. Like you see, and everybody sees that. Everybody's taking shots at him, and you just go the the rest of the way and 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 check it out. Adam says he think he thinks Michigan had eight threes in the first half, but he doesn't remember hitting one all of the second. He knows the players make plays, but the staff drew up a few plays. Can't the staff draw up a few plays for easy buckets? It doesn't seem like it. I thought Llewellyn might have hit, or I'm sorry, not Llewellyn, uh, Burnett, but maybe he uh, hit them all in the first half, maybe one. You could be right about that. I, I think what they tried to do is is get Reed down low, and they would get Burnett on a drive. About midway through the second half, you could tell that the the energy was was slowly going out of the you know the air was going out of the balloon the energy was down for U of M and it was pretty much over when they got down by double figures you could feel it by watching it and you, you could tell they just didn't have it they didn't have the 
the gas in the tank, anything else that you want to say to talk about their energy level in the remaining 10 minutes, no matter what you're going to put over there on the whiteboard. But I, but I hear you about drawing up for some easy buckets. Uh, Jesse getting in on Juwan Howard says he should have been forced to remake his staff after last season. He hates how Ward had a different standard for coaches. He didn't hire versus uh, those he did. Yeah, I, I don't know that this is actually true, that he has a different standard for coaches. It's not the athletic director that goes in there and tells him to uh, shake the staff up. Uh, it is it, it's something that you can do. I got, I don't know if this is bad news for you or not. I was talking with um, – was somebody who's been a Michigan basketball follower as close to the program as anybody for over 30 years. And we talked for about an hour tonight and talked with him for a long time and it got to basketball. And I said, uh, he was asking me what I thought and everything else. And then I said, well, oh, what do you think? And he said, no, oh, he, he's, he's thinking that Juwan Howard's probably going to be coming back next year. And uh, he pointed to the first three seasons and uh, just how well they played in 2021 and how he thinks Ward Manuel will be patient and go with one more year. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> just <laughs> So I don't know, maybe even hesitated to say it. That's just one man's opinion. But there is uh, that idea that that could happen. I really liked the 2021 Michigan basketball team as well. and. I really, I, I, I find people using this argument all the time and I don't know why it irks me. It's one of those things. Sometimes you hear an argument and then you're like, you know, I don't like that argument, but, and it's the argument that Juwan Howard took over the team, but it was John Beeline's team. And sure enough, you have some of the players are going to have some carryover, but it's the coach's team, whatever he does with the team out of the floor. Uh, he's the one that's, uh, coaching them all year long, obviously, and uh, during the game and making, uh, you know, th all of the moves during the game. So whatever the record is, uh, you you get it officially. But but fans, they, they loved him. Nope, not his team. And then it got into the second year, even the second year that he was there. And, you know, it had uh, Hunter Dickinson and in uh, – in, in Franz Wagner, who had, uh, you know, was a sophomore under Juwan Howard. No, Wagner was a, a legacy. Uh, he doesn't count for Juwan. And the, so there were a lot of people that, what I'm saying is that there were a lot of people that were using that. Up, oh, this is DNA. This is John Beeline's DNA, the, the players on there. And then by year three of the regular season, certainly last year, and then this year, he said, oh, all those guys are gone. See, told you. This was uh, John Beeline's DNA. As soon as those guys were gone, this thing is over. It's flat as a pancake. It's over for Juwan. It proves that uh, you know he can't run his own program, uh, roster composition, all of that. And uh, it's very hard for me to argue that. <laughs> How could I even uh, begin to argue that when you've just had these last two years? Can't really do it. Can't really do it. So I'll, I'll chalk one up for the even if I don't believe it or even. I think I just go back to, I just don't like the argument mostly, but it, it, it's kind of hard not to say that there's some truth to it. 
So that's where I'm at. at a concession, or if that is something something that you've been pounding the table on, or saying this is what um, I've been talking about. Uh, Adam says he thinks this is the weakest mentally group of players he's uh, ever seen in college. Yeah, they uh, the the NBA All Stars that were playing this past Sunday don't think that Michigan plays very hard defensively. Pretty big indictment. They they don't they don't compete. Their own coach has said that, and now he has tried to get them to crank it up on the defensive end. But if you're not from from day one in, instilling a work ethic and whatever your pillars or principle is uh, as a head coach for your entire program, you know the culture, all of that, if it is not playing both ends of the floor from day one, you're in trouble. And clearly this team, they have, I don't know if they consider themselves like all-stars and they can just kind of, I say lollygag sounds a little bit too harsh, but they can just go through the motion. Sounds pretty harsh too. That they can just roll the balls out there. That's harsh too. Can they just go out there and flip a switch? And we saw it two years ago and going into the holidays on a Friday against Central, it was a, a pathetic performance where this team didn't look like they gave full effort. And they had a few games this year where it's looked like that. It's That's part inexcusable. That's the part, if you're Ward Manuel, that even if you're thinking about keeping him, I don't know, that should make him sick and should at least be making him pick up the phone. I would like to tell everybody that I think that Ward Manuel has um, got together with the, however he back channels the regions and the president and everything and said, look, I'm ready to throw $8 million at so-and-so and I'm ready to make uh, uh, this coach the highest paid co- I'm ready to ask Jay Wright, get on the phone and say that we're ready to make you the highest paid coach in college basketball. I'm ready to tell Nate Oates that we'll give $10 million buyout, make you the highest paid coach. I mean, like, I, I don't think that that's happening. I'm pretty sure that that's not happening. That any of the big names. So uh, maybe in uh, the rest of the season has to play out. So, you know, saying that, but it wasn't a great conversation tonight about if you're in the camp and I'm in that camp too, about wanting to see a change. Big worm says every year since they hired him has been uh, steps backwards. Well, the first year, 2020, they would have, I I liked what I saw. They would have made the tournament. The next year they did make the tournament. That was a fabulous team. It was pointed out to me tonight that if if the fans were able to go to those games in 2021 when they won the Big Ten and they made the Elite Eight and were a a shot away from going to the Final Four, that people would be even more into the team. I don't know. We were able to watch all the games on the TV, but maybe that there would have been people that were more attached. The first two years couldn't have gone any better for Jawan Howard, one of the Big Ten. And then while 
his third season didn't go well in the regular season. They needed uh, the last game against Ohio State. No Hunter Dickinson. Uh, big shot by Kobe Bufkin to to even get Michigan into the tournament. They won two games, which erases everything. So they had three. I'd give you know Michigan uh, obviously a passing game. Their passing grade their first year under Juwan, and I'd give them an A. In the second year, in the third year, while the regular season, they they get a passing grade and 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 big to they made a Sweet Sixteen again. So the three years, very nice. But then last year was a disaster, and then this year has been worse. So I know you know all of that. <laughs> uh, a big worm says every year been big steps backwards. The last two years have been big time steps backwards. We can all agree on that. So the I did put the remaining schedule up there. Purdue on Sunday, and then they wrap this month out in Piscataway, New Jersey. A week from today against Rutgers, and then they have two games in March and the two games uh, at Ohio State, and then Nebraska at home and then it's the big 10 tournament which is three weeks most of the you'd say three weeks from today but three weeks from yesterday to have the first round is on a wednesday and that's when michigan will be playing probably as the 14 seed uh, they will be uh, uh in there taking on the uh, 11 seed and you think okay they they that's it. Nobody's in the stands. You, you, you get things going. You, you check it out. I have been there. I have been there in the past. I can remember going a few times. One time to Chicago in the first round out, and everybody's coming in, getting ready for yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday, all weekend long. Woo! And, you know, you're you're out of there by f- uh, five o'clock on a Wednesday or five, you know, uh, before they expand it out, you're out there on a Thursday. So you're, you're home pretty quick. If you're somebody that's bought tickets, you got your Mason blue on. And as you walk outside, people are looking to grab those tickets from you this year in Minneapolis for the big 10 tournament. Uh, that's the way it goes. All right. Well, um, Bright side, they got Purdue next. Uh, now they get Doug McDaniel back, possibly. Oh, no, he will be back. It's a home game. Then we find out. That's it. You know, teams are ramping up. I had uh, I had fun this week with college basketball. I like watching Michigan. Uh, last night I watched Kentucky LSU. I, I watched all of Florida against Alabama. I really liked that game. I really like Alabama. And what did I watch the uh, night before? I watched Creighton host uh, UConn and, and knock off the number one team. Creighton uh, looked excellent. And then I watched, uh, was it a Monday or Tuesday, Houston host Iowa State. And Iowa State had beat Houston the first time around. Those two teams, man, play smash mouth, uh, defense, uh, Houston Stole the ball like 10 times in that game. Iowa State looks pretty good. Those are two pretty good teams. Watch, and uh, they're ramping up. I'm ramping up. And, you know, Michigan's heading this way. And you get ready for the the tournament 
tournament's still great, but man, it, it is, uh, it, it hurts on that Sunday. If you're a Michigan fan, you know, you're excited for the tournament, everything else you're sitting there and then they go through the whole thing. And then there's, you know, there's no Michigan up there. I mean, that's, it's either a pass fail. You get your team up there or you feel like crap on that Sunday. Michigan fans are going to feel like crap. And that's, uh, that's it. Uh, so looking for something to feel good about when it comes to hoops. All right. Thanks so much for, for watching. And a big worm wants to, uh, I've, I've been talking to realistic re, uh, replacements for uh, Joan. Uh, as I sit here right now, I like, I put this list out and I've got some different guys that I've added to this, but this was the last one. Uh, I don't think Jay Wright's coming. I don't think Calvin Sampson is. Nate Oates is too high of a buyout. I think it's the same thing for Shaka Smart. I like McDermott, Wes Miller, and Lamont Paris as three realistic gets for Michigan. I'm still interested in Schertz and DeVries from Indiana State and, and Drake. Man, I watch uh, Dusty May's team. I can see why, you know, they won it all last year. Like pretty good this year. Yeah, you get that. I would keep them. These guys are all on my radar, but I think realistically, uh, McDermott, Miller, and Paris are my three guys right now. So if Ward Manuel is looking. Michigan Go Blue says last year's team should have been a five seed, a top five seed. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know why you – last year's team had a, a chemistry problem and it didn't shoot well from outside. And, and Jet Howard as well as, uh, you know, as high as he got picked in the, in the NBA draft, he could go for some kill shots, score 10-20 in the first half, and then he wouldn't be there at all in the last 10 minutes of the game. And, and that was uh, something that was consistent with him. He would get his, he would get his own. He would have be a highlight reel, but I don't know how he fit into a team concept. He didn't really fit in. It, it was more like watching AAU ball. And I like Kobe Bufkin and, you know, he was playing well and, and getting better. And then as soon as you're like, Hey, this guy's a legitimate uh, go-to player, he's gone. You know, he went to the NBA. So they never really played well together. They didn't shoot. Well enough, and then you know, Dickinson, as much as I like him, you've got to have him with a lot of shooters around him. How many times did he have the ball in scoring position with under a minute to do a minute or two to go in a game, and he not come up uh, big a lot? So they had chemistry problems last year or so, and yeah, they had some highly ranked players. It's just they didn't play well together. All right. That's going to do it. I'm going to be a downer. Let's leave on uh, something positive. March, man, we're getting ready for March. Two more games. We'll see you after Sunday's game against Purdue and tomorrow on this very feed. Everybody else, uh, everybody, have a great night. Thanks for watching and listening. Michigan drops us one by 14, 76 to 62. That's the final. Good night. Everybody.